I have two things that I want to do that I want to ask you to do tonight. First, let me say that today has been a great day. You that did not hear Brother Glass, you need to go home and mark your calendar and realize that you miss a message that will never be recalled. I appreciated it so much. One thing I want to ask of you, how many of you got to go to work tonight? Let me see your hand. I guess I'm the only one that's got to work tonight. If you have to leave before I get through with what I'm going to preach tonight, I want you to go right now. I promise you I won't be long past midnight. I'll stay with you. It is a hard thing for a man to come to an altar, walking down an aisle facing people leaving. Because while he walks this way, you're telling him goodbye, fella. Hope you make it. Now, they told me to make myself at home, and that's one thing that I do not allow at home. Amen. Amen. And I'm about to do something that I know better than to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. I have a message that I want to preach to you tomorrow night in the absence of our youth department. I understand they will be at a banquet. And I want to preach to you. And I want to use a subject. Pleading with mother. And I want you to be in prayer that God will help us tomorrow night being the last night of this conference. I trust that God will honor my desire. Of course, if he says for me to preach something else, I will. And I know that you've been standing a long time. And I'm going to let you be seated in just a moment. You have your Bibles. I want you to turn with me to the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to begin reading chapter 6. And I want to read verse 1 down through verse 12. And you notice the reading of the word of the Lord. Deuteronomy 6. Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it. That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee. Thou and thy son, 
thy son's son, and all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Listen to this. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land which he sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, houses full of all good things which thou fillest not, and wells which thou diggest not and vineyards and olive trees which thou plantest not. When thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him and shalt swear by his name. Verse 20. When your son asked thee in the time to come, saying, What mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Thou shalt say unto the son, We are Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders great and sore upon Egypt upon Pharaoh and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in and give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. The Lord commanded us to do all these things, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is at this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God as he hath commanded us. I could have read the entire chapter I left out just a little there, the sixth chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, and that entire chapter was devoted to telling them, don't you forget. Don't forget. After you have eaten and you're full, 
everything is well. You have cities you didn't build and vineyards you didn't plant and houses you didn't build. After everything is like I told you it would be, and you be careful lest you forget. And I want to speak to you tonight simply from remembering yesterday. Remembering yesterday. Lord, you've been good to us. Thank you for what we've heard. Help us to deliver our heart tonight to this people. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. You may be seated. It is such an easy thing to forget. I don't believe that any of us has escaped totally without forgetting at some time or another in our lifetime. It's easy to forget. When everything is going well, it's hard to remember. How it was when things were hard and things were not so well. God in his speaking to Eve and telling her that you're going to bear children also incorporated in that command that you're going to bear children and you're going to be in pain and you're going to be in labor, he also incorporated the ability to forget the pain of childbirth, or there wouldn't be any more. Somehow we have the unique arrangement in our mind that we can take things and tuck them away, and they never come back to us again, simply able to forget. It's easy to forget what we were. When the Lord found us. I have pictures in my office of the beginning of Bethel Tabernacle, little old storefront building on a corner, needed a coat of paint, lumber, broken windows, almost something to be ashamed of. That was our beginning. 
walk there and look at that, and then I look at where we are today. And it's easy for me to forget where we came from. Still have the little offering pan about so big that under a tent in Houston 51 years ago, my dad laid it on an altar and said, we're going to start a building fund. And that was the beginning. It's hard to go back and remember. I tried to remember tonight when I was a young evangelist. And it come my time to walk to the pulpit in a convention. General conference wasn't even this big then. And introduced myself, and I knew how scared I was. The first time I ever preached at a general conference was in a youth service, and and I couldn't stop my britches from. I'd, I'd get a hold of the pulpit and stand, try to stand still, and my trousers would still just jig. And uh, I sat back there tonight, and I tried to remember. I stood around and listened to preachers say that I need a revival, but there's just nobody to get to come and preach. And there I was. I was available. And no place to go. Wife, little boy. And I stood there. I wanted to look at him and say, hey, I'll go. But you know, it's, it's almost hard for me to remember that. You see, I pastor a big church now, and I don't have to ask to go anywhere. And, you know, things are different. That's what the sixth chapter of Deuteronomy was talking about. When you have lived and done well, don't you forget. Hallelujah. Easy for us to forget what we were before the Lord found us, before He come into our lives. Also, it's easy to forget what we hear. It's a dangerous thing for you to come to Bogalusa Bible Conference. Because to whom much is given, much is required. Easy to forget. I suppose one of the worst things that could have ever happened to us, and I'm not here to talk about bad things tonight, I'm just here to preach to you. But it's hard for us to pray when we got food in the pantry, money in our pocket, nice clothes on our back. And I'm like Brother Glass when he preached the other day, I don't believe anything is too good for the people of God. Hey, if you can drive a Rolls Royce, drive it. I'd like to look at you and say, that's one of my members going there. 
Hey, did you hear what I said? I don't believe that God intends for you to be uh, back across the tracks and not doing anything, if you can do it, in the will of God. I believe it's God's will for you to have the best that you possibly can have. Well, amen. Anyway, humility is not holes in your shoes. i got shoes at home with holes in them. That wouldn't help me a bit if I wore it. Humility is not worn out clothes. You know, I went to conventions when we tied tires all over the car. Tires on the back, tires on the top, tires on the side. Had a luggage rack on the running board, and there's where all of our clothes was. And we would start to a conference, and my dad would plan the route to where we leave Houston today, and we'll be in such and such a place tonight, and we'll eat supper and uh, spend the night with brother so-and-so, and the next night we'll be up around such and such a place, and we'll stay there with him. And, and you know, when we'd pull into the yard, they were so glad to see us. Today, when somebody comes into your yard, you're not looking for you almost want to hide and not even answer the door. Amen. Oh, we didn't have a lot to eat. But what they had, they shared with the people of God. But today we're just a little bit on the selfish side. And I'm bound to say it to you because I want you to think about some things. When all is well, we don't really have to trust God for too much. Because God just continually floods us with blessings and with His glory and His honor and His grace over and over and over and over and over again. But it's so easy for us to get to the place that we don't remember where we come from. One morning about three o'clock, September 1, 1923, somehow under the hand and the guidance of God, the bedrock of this old world began to shift, to move. And the surface began to ripple like the water. Buildings begin to fall. The earth opened its mouth. Men fell into chasm only to be closed again. Tremendous earthquake. And over just a wireless, our nation picked up the call, frantic. We need help. Help. We need help. 
That telegraph was working. That code came in. Word come across the Pacific. Came to Japan. 143,000 died in that tremor. Can you imagine dead, bloated, stinking bodies everywhere? Mothers screaming, scratching through the debris of what used to be a home, looking for children. Couldn't find them. Didn't know where they were. 100,000 seriously wounded, broken, lame, needed care. And out of all that tragedy came a call. Somebody, somebody, please help us. And America, as she has always done, responded to that call. As fast as that mode of travel would let us, we sped men, medical supplies, help, everything we could do. And at the last report, on that particular incident, back in 1923, this nation contributed over $10 million to that one tragedy. On that morning, when somebody screamed and took a telegraph in their hand and began to move it, we need help. Later on, read before our Congress, after the debris and things had kind of been straightened up, got back to normal, America helped rebuild it. Engineers, machinery, tried to fix Cantu back to its original state. After the months had gone by, a telegram was read to both houses in Washington while they were convened, and it came from the government of Japan. The telegram simply said this, We will never forget. We will never forget. Forget they did, really. They forgot. December 7, 1941. Coming around the southern tip of the island of Hawaii. Coming toward the city of Honolulu. There was the Navy of the United States of America anchored snugly in the harbor that was called Pearl Harbor. And down behind the mountains, out of the reach of the radar, came the kamikaze planes, came the dive bombers, came total destruction to a navy. The very ones that wrote the telegram, that telegraphed it, had soon 
forgotten. That day, there was 28,000 boys that went to their grave in the cold waters of Pearl Harbor. I was there a few months back. I went out onto the memorial they had built over the USS Arizona. They would tell me that bodies were still trapped in that ship. While you could stand and see the deck, the stacks and things of that great ship, you could see oil still coming out of the tanks. There was something eerie about it. But as you stood there and you heard the wail of the air raid sirens, they reenacted part of this for you. And you knew some things. You wondered, my God, how could they ever do what they've done this way? And yet in the archives of our Congress is a telegram we'll never forget. We'll never forget. Go to the islands of the Philippines. Look out across the hills. An endless stream of little white crosses laid in neat rows tells you, here a boy gave his life because somebody forgot. Somebody forgot. Oh, that God would help us who are on this side of the battle not to forget. Not to forget. It's rather easy to forget the fact that somebody prayed with me when I was fighting. And I promised God I'll never forget it. Hallelujah. So easy for me to forget how that somebody prayed when I needed prayer. They stood by me and they prayed until something happened in my heart and in my soul. But God spoke to Israel and said, Don't you forget when I give you everything that I promised you. Oh, there's many ways, Brother Cox, that I could go with this tonight. Affluent churches, fine churches. Hey, we love that. But oh God, help us to never depend on the mechanics of what we've got to win a battle. Somebody has got to know there's some crosses on a hillside that bled to give us what we have. I was studying today. I run across something. I've read it many times. But I run across something else that shocked me. This ability to forget is such a dangerous thing that when the Lord was telling His disciples about His coming, told them what to look for, He said, as it was in the days of Noah, and on and on, 
as it was in the days of Lot. Two in the field, two grinding. The man that's on the housetop. Don't even come down when all of this is going on. And suddenly he stopped everything. He said, you remember Lot's wife. Why tell me about Lot's wife? Why tell me to remember Lot's wife? What you thinking about, Lord? What is it? We look at that scripture when I was a young man. We would have scripture quotations in the youth class. Somebody would always jump up and quote Jesus well. Because it was so short. But it meant so much if you understood what that scripture was saying. Likewise, we come out with remember Lot's wife. But oh friend, that wasn't just filler. It wasn't just something to take up space. He didn't do it like you and I do it. We'll preach a little bit and holler glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Just in order to get something else going in our heart. But when God put that there, there was something in his mind. I don't want you to forget. Something about her. What was it? You know the story. After the prayer of intercession, after Abraham had sought God, after God had told him, I'll spare it, if you can find anything there, I'll spare it. But there he was, sir. There was nothing to do but send the angel of God. But God honored that old man, Abraham, and said, I'll get Lot and everything I can out of there. And the angel went directly to his house. Lot was not a stranger to the presence of God. He was a nephew of the father of the faithful. He lived with Abraham for a while. But things got well with Lot. He was more or less a minister of commerce. Everything that came into the city, he was getting a tariff off of it. But when the angel of God walked in, the messenger of God, he had forgotten so much, he couldn't even recognize that this is a minister. The man of God had come here. He said, come on in, wash your feet, we'll fix a meal and we'll give it to you. But sir, the problem was that that man had a message of doom for Lot. And he failed to recognize it. I wonder how many of us has forgot how to recognize what God is doing when a man steps to a pulpit and he preaches the word and it comes from him flowing with impacts like the slamming blow of a sledgehammer. And you think that is puppeteering? That's nothing but just his ability? Could it be that somehow in our affluence we have forgotten 
what the man of God really is. I had a man tell me not long ago, if you want a revival, you've got to get a professional. I've never seen a professional in my life, sir. The only thing that I need is somebody that knows how to pray, that knows how to fast, that knows how to preach, that knows how to get a hold of God, and I can have a revival. Remember, Lot's wife, there she was, not really too different than most of us, living, doing well. The angel came, and when Lot saw him, I will receive you well. Okay, but the man looked at him, said, Lot, you don't understand. Get out of here. This thing is fixing to burn. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. He said, have you got any children here? Yeah. Go get them. Get out of here. I wonder what your reaction would be if the Lord would speak to you tonight. Go get your kids. Get out of here. It's fixing to happen. Would you really believe it? Or would you say, well, it's just another preacher. It's just somebody else. But oh, my friend, listen. When the Lord stopped that great discourse about His coming and said, remember, Lot's wife. You know, we more or less make a joke out of her. But oh, listen, sir. I wonder what it would be like for you to understand what's happening to Lot's wife. The angel said, Lot, get him out. I'm afraid that some of us would experience the same experience. He ran to his children, the married ones. They said, oh, daddy, don't worry. You're beside yourself. And they stayed in Sodom. The only ones that he got out of there was those that were still living at home. And finally the angel came to him and found him pleading, Come on, get out, let's go, get out. And the angel picked him up. The Bible said, and set him out of the city. And said, you leave and don't you look. Well, Brother Foss, I wouldn't do what Lot's wife done. Wait a minute before you criticize her. Wait a minute. The angel set her out, pointed her toward a mountain, said, you flee to the mountain, you'll find safety. Go there. Don't look back. I am sure that she was in earshot. She heard heaven open. She heard the sizzling, frying sound of brimstone falling to the ground. She heard the scream of people going up. And no doubt, perhaps she could smell the smoke that come out of there. And something in her heart said, Oh, God, I've got kids back there that's frying in fire and brimstone. Run, Lot! 
when he come on, run! They run, but something in her, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it, I hear it. Oh, oh! Oh, listen, sir. What he was saying, when you start toward heaven, don't cut any corners for anybody. Don't look back for anything. When you start, you go the way you're supposed to go. Don't make it easy on your kids. Just tell them, look, you've got it to do. Let's go. Be careful. Before I get through here tonight, there's something going to happen in this place. I will not let you leave here without you coming face to face with the reality that something's got to take place in my life. Man, woman, boy, girl, lukewarm saint, you've got one more day to make a move in this Bible conference. My God, if I can help do something to you tonight to stop you, turn you around, make you look out. Oh, God, just a minute. No doubt she stopped. Lot stopped with her. Come on, honey. Come on. The girl's running on ahead of them. Come on. We got the girl. Got a girl. And she could hear the commotion. She could listen to it. She could hear them crying. She could hear the screaming. That city was in total turmoil now. Because the wrath of God had started out. And somehow she turned around one time. And because she looked back one time, Jesus stopped his discourse and said, You remember Lot's wife. When everything is well, it's easy to forget. Are you hearing me? Hey, there was a time that I got down on my hands and knees. My God... My God, my God, Brother Cox, the story you told me, I believe it was you, that you'd just come home, a girl away from God, lost, gone, a daddy, a Pentecostal preacher. I know what it's like when they tell me the same story. Your boy's dead. I went out and got on my hands and knees on the side of a highway and tried to find blood and get it on my hands. I wanted to see, my God, was it my boy? But listen, sir, you can sit here tonight with a compromising spirit in your heart and sit there and remember nothing about your children. I'm asking you one thing. You need to remember Lot's wife. Hear me. Oh, I could tell you some stories. I don't know why it happened to me. I can't explain that. And I've used it so many times in so many meetings. I witnessed such a pitiful sight. A building burning between 30 and Gina, Louisiana. That little old shotgun sharecropper shack 
was burning to the ground. Three o'clock in the morning, just such a night as this is, ice was forming all over the timber. And I saw the building burn. I walked up to where a few people were gathered. There was a mother and dad and four children standing out under a little old tree and huddled under a blanket in their night clothes. That little woman weighed about 104, 5, 6 pounds. Little thing. I stood there and I saw the stark raving spirit that struck her when she realized my baby's in that house. She turned and asked her husband, Honey, have you got the baby? He said, No. She said, did you bring it out? No. He said, it's here somewhere. But she knew better. And when she broke to run into that house and run into that building, a big man reached and grabbed her around the waist, picked her up and threw her down in the mud and the water. One got on one arm and one on another. Another straddled her waist. And she laid there and rolled and screamed, let me go. I know where my baby is. I know where it's at. Let me go. She had no fear of a raging burning fire I can tell you that story and it eats at your insides and it takes a hold of your being you say oh God what a thing but when I tell you that your young people that your children are headed for a red hot raging blazing hell it doesn't affect you it doesn't do anything to you to know that tonight you're going home and you're going into a house that if the Lord does come in the morning My baby is going to burn in a raging fire. I was never so disturbed. A few months ago, our young people going through the tremors of such devastating attacks from hell. I sit down in the den of my home, and there's a balcony up in the upper end of the den, and it goes into my boy's bedroom. I sit there at 3 o'clock in the morning. I felt the very spirit of hell come into my house. I felt the devil come around. I prayed. I put my hands on the wall. I said, God, there's something going on. I'm a pastor. I don't know what it is, but I will not stop until I find victory. Sir, this is what he's telling you. Remember, Lot's wife. You don't believe in hell. That's what's the matter with you. Brother Cox, come here. Do you really believe that there is a burning, raging, red-hot hell waiting for those that are lost? Do you really believe that? Come on, say yes or no. Yes. You really believe that? Do you believe that when you preach, that people that you're preaching to that says no to the gospel is going to that place? Yes, sir. Honey, it ought to do something to us. Because in my hand tonight, and after tonight, Sunday, when you go home, 
in your hand is going to rest the destiny of a soul. And if I don't reach you tonight, and hell reaches you before this man gets back to you, oh God help me to know that I have done everything that's in my power to reach you and bring you somewhere to an altar. Because I believe there is a raging red hot hell with a mouth belching fire and brimstone. Come here, sister. Come here. You're the organist. Am I right? Thought you was playing tonight. Did you ever think that you was playing to a soul the last music it would ever hear? That after you finished playing tonight, the only thing they would hear would be the raging, blazing fires of hell? If you would have known that, would you have played like you played? Honey, think about it. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. When you go to play for an altar call tonight, I want you to ask God to help something happen to you. That if the preacher has missed it, that through your fingers on those keys, that somehow that music will reach out and get a hold of a heart and squeeze it out of that soul and bring it to God and let something happen to it that's never happened to it before. Pray, church. I want you to pray for just a minute. Daddy, hey mama, hey daughter, hey, if you really believed it, you would be running home tonight. You would beat on a door. Wake up! Get up! But the reason you don't do it is because you think there will be a tomorrow. But I'm telling you tonight, you need to remember yesterday because there may not be a tomorrow. Hell. 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 No. Couldn't be. Sure couldn't be. Not this quick. Not now. But sir, as sure as he's coming, as sure as he's going to be here, that's just how sure that some of you under the sound of my voice is going to wallow in a red hot hell lost without God because nobody could reach you.
So horrible is the danger of forgetting that God took up the space in the Scripture. He gave the story of a beggar and a rich man. That beggar and that rich man, everything went well and the beggar lived from the crumbs that fell from his table. The rich man fared sumptuously. The Bible said he died and he was buried. But Lazarus died and, Ab- and the angels bore him to Abraham's bosom. God, why didn't you send us something else out of the world of spirits? Why didn't you send somebody to talk to us from out of heaven? There's not one thing in that book that anybody ever spoke about that had ever gone to heaven and returned. Or that we've ever heard a word out of the place that God has prepared for them that love him. But oh, he took time to write in that scripture about a man that went to hell. A man that woke up in flames of fire. A man that could taste and remember. Oh, listen, sir. I wonder what this glass of water would be worth if I could take it to hell tonight. Look at it. You're going to remember me pouring this water on the floor. You're going to curse me for it. Because you're going to wish you had it. That rich man, when he looked up, he said, Oh, God, send that beggar with that dirty, filthy, bony, that sore hand, and let him dip that finger. Just a step away. God, why did you put it in there? Why did you let it come back? That man, send him. Let him dip his finger in water. Uh-uh. He can't come here. And you can't come here. He can't go there. There's no way for us to get to you. The next thing. Oh! Well, tell me something, God. Why did you write it? You let it be written, son. Remember, you forgot some things. I hope I can jog your memory tonight. You you that are playing at the mouth of hell, the only thing that's standing between you and a burning, raging hell tonight is the church. And one of these days, God's going to look at that church and say what He said about Ephraim and Manasseh. He said, Ephraim has joined herself to idols, and you let her alone. Let me alone. Don't talk to me about her anymore. Oh, God, when somebody comes by and tells you I've been praying for you, whether you hear them or not, you ought to raise your hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because the day may come that nobody will want to pray with you. Nobody will have a burden for you. Because God has wrote your name off and said, let me alone. I know I've got to hurry. Why do you forget so easy? Why do you forget so easy? Oh God, 
Belshazzar, you knew. Because you saw your dad like an ox. You saw his hair grow like the feathers of a bird. You saw his claws become like the claws of an eagle. And you knew. But you, you forgot. You forgot. You forgot about it. Hell, in all of its fury, doesn't do anything for us anymore. Where is the old altars? Where is the old prayer warriors? Where is the old intercessor? Where is it all at now? What's happening to us? Remember? Do you remember? You don't have to pray anymore. But when you have eaten and you are full and I've blessed you abundantly, you be careful lest you forget. And there's something else I want you to remember. If you forget it, you're going to remember Lot's wife. Hey, mama. Hey, daddy. It's going to be a bad story for you to walk through the corridors of hell. What do you mean, Brother Foss? I wonder what it's going to be like. You wake up to the story that... You wake up to the fact... I'm lost. And what's so terrible? You're lost in the midst of a revival. People all around you are getting the Holy Ghost. A man walked up to me in the restaurant last night. I don't know who he is. I don't know where he come from. I don't know anything about him. But I was seated with Brother Tenney. He walked up. He said, you don't know me, but I was at the auditorium tonight. And let me tell you, Calvary still works. I didn't go to the altar, but I got the Holy Ghost back in the seats. I looked at him. Hey, friend. While he was receiving the Holy Ghost, you had forgotten. In the midst of revival, let me get lost. Don't let anybody see me. Nobody will know anything about it. But somehow you need to be talking to God tonight. God. Let something happen to touch me. Hey, I don't know why I'm being pulled this way, but I need to tell you how I feel. I'm talking to some folks tonight that if you don't make a change, not many days hence, you're going to wake up. In a rich man's red hot hell. But what's going to be so bad. Mama. You didn't remember Lot's wife. What are you saying brother boss? Bad enough. To be in hell with fire. Coming up over you. And you sling your hands to get it off. And 
You shake your face and it runs out of your eyes and out of your mouth and over your chin and you can't get out of it. People are screaming and they're crying and hell comes around you. And all of a sudden you feel something pull on you and you look back and there's a girl that said, Mama, Mama, you led me here. You didn't pray for me. You didn't talk to me, Mama. You let me cut my hair. You let me dress like I wanted to. And now I'm in hell tonight. Hell, yesterday, I had it in my reach. Yesterday, it was mine, but now it's gone. I'm, I'm lost. I'm lost. I'm lost. Oh God, help me. As I preach to Bethel Tabernacle. What's hell going to be like if I fail to preach to them? Oh, I'm not going to make it. The only way I can make it, sir, is to wash my hands with the Word. I'm trying to save myself from Bogalusa tonight. I've got to walk out of here. I couldn't feel that away before tonight. But I'm washing my hands of this city tonight. I'm washing my hands of this convention tonight. You're not walking away from here, sir, and say that they didn't tell me. I'm telling you now. Oh, the only way that I can save myself is to preach my way out of here. I've got to preach my way out of this world. I've got to preach my way into glory. But if I fail, what is it going to be like for somebody to follow me? You didn't tell me. You didn't preach to me. You didn't do it. Koromo Shandri I'm preaching to you, sir. You need to think about it. Yesterday, out of my reach, I can't get to it. It's completely gone. What in the world are we going to do? You're going to remember, sir, with fire all around you, bubbling, shimmering fire. You're going to remember how that your heart seemed to swell up in your throat, your chest tightened. You felt conviction for the first time in your life. 
you remember God speaking to you and you held on to that seat. You made a purpose in your mind. I'm not God. But oh, you're going to hear him. You're going to hear him talk to you. You're going to hear a preacher preach to you. You're going to hear yourself say, Now, let me alone. Let me alone. Let me alone. I know how you're feeling, sir. You're not fooling me. When a preacher preaches like I'm preaching tonight, feeling what I feel, he knows where it's going. I could walk down the aisles and put my hands on you. I could walk there and put my hand on you and tell you, God's talking to you tonight. Oh, God, help me. If I miss you tonight, I remember how I felt. I remember what he told me. You see that little soul of yours that you've got locked in a prison? He's screaming at you tonight. Take me. Take me. Take me. You see this old body's gonna die. But that soul that's locked up in here is gonna live. And only you can open that prison. But that little old soul is beating on the side of that prison door. Let me out tonight. Let me out tonight. Because it knows that I am going to live hell, hell. If you don't let me go, it's me that's going to stay in hell. Take me, take me, take me to an altar somewhere. Go ahead and stifle it. But you better remember Lot's wife. I don't want you to strike a note on that organ until you ask God to help you do something to that instrument that you have never done before. Because, honey, somebody's fixing to hear you. It'll be the last time they'll ever hear an organ. Play it. Come. I don't want anybody to move. That feeling you got. That feeling you got. Take close notice. Because you're going to feel it forever. In hell, you're going to beg to forget. But somewhere like the wheels of a giant recorder, the playback is going to begin. And you can't stop it. God, please let me forget. 
But it's in your reach tonight. It's close enough to you that you can have it. And I haven't preached this way not one night of this convention. But this is the first night I have felt like preaching like this. I would to God that I could go to this back door. I'd like for you to walk out of here and face me. I'd like to look in your cold, calculating eyes. And I'd like to be able to breathe the flames of hell in your face and tell you. Remember, because you have nobody to blame. But on your road to hell tonight, let me stop you long enough to tell you that Jesus loves you. And there is a place where there's joy eternal. And you don't have to be lost. But somehow hell has its drag on you now. Like the sot drunkard that can't leave the bottle alone. Staggers up and says, I, I'm finished. I'll quit. But something draws him back. Hell is drawing you tonight. Satan is working overtime. Trying to distract you. I don't want nobody walking down these aisles unless you're coming this way. Don't let the devil do it to you. I'm trying to pull you out of the flames of fire tonight. Brother Cox, the Bible said we save some as though we pull them out of the fire. Pull them out of the fire. And so with that, I give it to you from Jesus Christ. With love. Would you bow your heads? What are you waiting for? Yeah, he's talked to you tonight. You walk out the door. You're walking into the mouth of a red hot hell. Nobody's going to sing until they know they've got a hold of God. I want every eye closed. You don't need to be looking. Preacher, if you're here, you share this burden with me. Why don't you stand up where you are and just turn around and look at the back. Just turn around and look at the back. Don't look at me. Look toward the back. Don't anybody look. Just these preachers is all. You see, if we miss them tonight, the ones you're looking at, they're going to hell. And somebody's got to stop them. And while they sing, if you feel any part of a feeling, I would like for you to go to whoever.
there he is close to you and tell him remember Lot's wife honey hear me the curtain is falling the sun is setting hell is waiting can we stop you I don't want to weary you, but let me tell you how I feel. I saw the death angel come into my church one night. Oh, you don't believe it, but that's all right whether you believe it or not. It didn't have the shape so much of a man. I couldn't see the features. But it was a spirit form. And it come into our building. I was preaching. It walked down the aisle and it stopped. Fifth seat. From the front and stood there for a moment. I knew what it was and I recognized it and I stopped and told my church. I said, I've seen the death angel walk in. I told him where it stopped and it just dissipated. Brother Voss, what do you mean? In the next six weeks, Five of the strongest men in my church died untimely deaths and they were seated right where that death angel come. I feel that spirit in this place tonight. And you better hear what the spirit's telling you. You better hear it tonight. you coming, you better come quickly. I'm about to turn it back to Brother Cox. Clean hands. Clean heart. If you're coming, come quickly. Don't wait. Pray they're coming, church. Give up yet? Yeah. 
chosen, sir. This is the night that God has chosen. This auditorium will never be the same after tonight. I'm coming home. Just another moment I'll wait. I'm coming home. Are you sure you want me to leave? You want me to walk away from the pulpit? You want me to walk out of it? I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you.